John Buckley is an industry legend. The guy has been around as long as, it seems like as long as watch dealing has been around. That's not quite true, but it might as well be so far as, you know, the internet is concerned. Um, so today we're sitting down with him. He's been a mentor of mine since basically the first day I got into watch dealing. Um, he taught me some of the first things I knew about it, which were not about watches at all, but about how dangerous it is in this business, how how likely it is that you will get robbed at some point and, and how you need to trust very few people. Um, and as more and more people get involved in this industry and start flipping, uh, be it full-time or on the side, I think that advice from an expert like John that's been doing this uh, full-time for, geez, like 35 years um, is, uh, is crucial. So this is a great episode. As promised, we're always going to be giving you 15 minutes of this episode for free here on Spotify and these other platforms. Um, but the full episode is, of course, available on Patreon at patreon.com slash christianzarone. It's, it's over a one-hour episode, but we're releasing episodes constantly. I think it's actually a two-hour episode, so buckle up for that. Um, but we're releasing episodes every week, be them uh, interviews with Michael about what's going on in, in our watch collections and, and all, you know, all matters of business. It's, it's been great. Or other industry professionals, watch dealers that really kind of pull back the veil and give you an insight into what it's like to make your living uh, in this business. The difference between retail and wholesale is both in price and in structure and nuance. It's been an incredible ride. And I really hope that you do come and join us for our weekly podcasts, our quarterly meetups, and our constant engagement. So come on and join The Zero at patreon.com slash Christian Zerone. There are a lot of dials out there, like forget about forget about fake reprints, forget about that stuff. Like, what is a Rolex prototype dial? What are the dials that I see on Instagram that are for real? Like, okay. what is that? Many many years. Oh, ago. What is the claim, and then what is your understanding of the truth? I will tell you the story. Yeah, the backstory, supposedly, and this is all, you know, hearsay. It's kind of documented by very, very important guys in this okay. trade. Okay. Like, you know, Rolex Passion Report. I mean, we can go there. Right. It's Philip. That's who I'm referencing. Yeah. Listen, and I know Phil. I sold Philip his first red sub in 2005. Wow. Okay. When he first got into the business. Okay. I know Philip a long time. He and I have had our differences, but I consider him a guy that, you know, I know. And, you know, trust. Yeah. I guess I do trust him. Supposedly, the story goes, they found this box or book of prototype Singer dials at, I don't know, somebody's basement or garage sale or something like that. There were also those military dials for the 6538As and stuff like that. Right. I don't know whether that was the same find or not. Right. How convenient. The guy that you really have to get on here, but he won't do it, is Arthur. Viper. Yes. Because Viper went off on these guys. Why he thought this was a fake story. Oh, yeah. This is like the blueberry bezel. I've never examined them i you know you'd have to see so where's the claims rolex they never made it to product or they made it to production in very like you know one-offs and like, it, as, as, but, but they made it to production and just so far as a pitch like it's like a pitch deck oh no they had them hard you, there's the blue 5513 submariner right there but these were just these were just dials that singer made physically yes. made proposed to rolex Correct. rolex denied them but yes. the dials themselves still existed and they were yes. right and they found this box of the prototypes right that's the story there are guys that will knock that story there are guys that believe that's because they're quite beautiful i mean <sighs> the texas dials were beautiful too and they are completely fake and, and what is a texas style texas style of the three color newman dials yes. that you'll see you know they have the 
the creamy loom. They were made supposedly by a company in Texas or dealer in Texas, and they were sold. I remember the first guy to sell me that to try to sell them to me was Barry Fleischer. Barry came up to me. He's like, hey, Buckley, this is like a 99. How much for them? They were five grand at the time. 5,000 bucks. Okay. It was all the money in the world. And watches were only 10 grand. How many did they have? Had a bunch. Uh, and they came in two color, three color, and they all had the same, you know, small Swiss at the bottom. They had the the concentric circles were a little wide. There was, there was a whole- But they were nice styles. They were good looking dials. They were not Rolex quality. You knew they weren't real. They were not Rolex quality. Yeah, even then you knew. Yes. Got it. And guys sold them. I mean, you know, listen, we can we can get into it. I mean, John Mayer bought many of them. That was the basis of his lawsuit with Bob. Look, you could say what you want. John knew that those dials were not right. He his words to me were, "Oh, they're really beautiful," and I'm like, "Yeah, they are, but you know, they're not right." Right. I mean, look. I mean, no hate to anybody. Yeah. Okay. I mean, he's a really knowledgeable guy. I mean, he studied this shit. John studied that. Very. He's he's a sharp, sharp guy. Yeah. And he studied this stuff, but you know, he was sold this stuff, and you know. He knew that there were there were questions yeah. regarding this stuff. Yeah. It's not like he was just, you know, dumb money, you know, throwing money into things. I mean, he had plenty of money. Right. And guys, you know, are dealers. They feed off that. But this was also quite a while ago that there wasn't as much documentation as there is now, right? We made all the documentation. If you go right. back into the old vintage Rolex forum on Tapa Talk, mm -hmm. you can see all of the fights that we had with mm -hmm. guys online about Texas dials. I was yeah, you know, that's where that's how the Buckley dial came right. about when they said it's the whole story. Right. You were there. Right. And when you have something like that that's questionable, okay, it's hard to sell. And he wound up finding that out. And that was the basis for the lawsuit with Bob. Right. And, you know, Bob wound up, you know, he wound up to settle the case. Cool. No, they didn't settle. They didn't Bob, settle. no, they... Uh, Bob, he just dropped the case. They dropped the case because he didn't have a case. It's fascinating. He had no case. And, and it's sad, you know, because we were all over the place saying these are not fucking right. Wow. You know, or you can look back. Yeah. You know, I mean, one thing about Eric Koo, Eric Koo, who owns um, Vigitrol, he wound up saving all of that on this thing called Tap It Talk. And you can go back and archive that Watch stuff this and right. see the whole progression of this stuff. The other stuff, if you could ever find it, BJ's online forum. BJ's forum was the original. I mean, you had Time Zone, you had WatchNet, and then there was BJ's online forum. The real guys were on bj's online forum there were i mean all of us were on there and we would go at it that's what i learned i mean i learned a lot on vintage rolex forum when richard carver was the owner and then he gave it to eric when he retired but i mean i had i got thrown off of time zone early on because i had a beef with dowling over some dials that he said were real that weren't real and this is like i was young in the game yeah but i was i studied this shit i was like all these guys that I was just like, well, it's kind of fascinating because I grew up in the be, kind of the beginning of the Instagram watcher, mm -hmm. right? We're going back eight years. It wasn't really huge on, on, on Instagram yet. It was starting to get there, you know, but Instagram culture is not as educational as the no. culture that you guys yeah. not only grew up in, but kind of created. Yeah. We grew up in a culture of uh, if you post it and it's kind of cool you get immediate verification, immediate mm -hmm. validation and praise. It's just a lot of guys riding each other's dicks. Mm -hmm. That's really all it is. It's not that educational. A little bit, but not really. Mm -hmm. Whereas the forums really were, their whole purpose wasn't riding dick. Their purpose was ex exploration, education, history. The problem right now is that you've got a lot of half-baked experts right. who either worked at auction houses and now they think they're dealers because they sell one watch a week. And, right. you know, 
or they're guys that, you know, are just, you know, sitting there looking at pictures of stuff online and then they're like, you know, experts in photography or experts in, you know, identifying, you know, the bullshit, you know, differences in, you know, guilt dials and this, that. If you don't have the stuff in your hand, which is what you said, okay, to me, you have to have the stuff in your hand. Yeah. And the thing about the forums was it's, it was a small community. If there were a hundred guys that were active on BJ's, it was an absolute, I mean, it was, it was a war every day. I mean, uh, an absolute war because, you know, there were opinions and we were, yeah, we were, we were forging the whole Mark one, Mark two, this, that, all of that stuff came about in the early days of BJ's and vintage Rolex. And what, what was in it for the contributors? I mean, it's Nothing. just to, it was just an ego trip. That's it. That's it. Bizarre. It was a, it was an ego trip. Bizarre. And, Cause I would never, it, yeah. just my, my character is my personal trait. I would never argue with somebody about that. We'd be like, when you guys figure it out, let me know. That's just me. We ended up more. We would go at it. Yeah. For I would sit. I had just moved to. I had just moved to Jersey. He was a baby. I would sit in the office, and I would go all night singing, pounding away, right, pounding away, just arguing with guys, right, and in turn learning yeah. about this stuff. Really starting to understand. Listen, I was right sometimes. I was wrong sometimes. When were you wrong? <sighs> Not very often. What, name one. How about the red hand GMT? Can I tell you something? Yeah. It's right. Those are right. They're right. You want to know how I know? I know because I have a couple at home. Okay. Okay. They were wrong. No. Jared Adelson, JMA, bought a watch off a guy, an original owner, okay, that had that hand on it. Fascinating. The other way that I know is, uh, well, let's segue into the blueberries. Blueberry insert of the blue inserts that are on the GMT. Some say they were for the French military. Yeah, 16, say the 1675 GMT. In 1998, 99, okay, I started dealing parts. And I met a guy online through eBay who was working at some distributorship down in Florida. I forget what part of Florida it was. Right. The guy wound up being a dealer for a long, long time. Then he went bad just recently. He was a good friend of mine. I'm not going to mention his name, and I really hope he's okay. But he stiffed a bunch of guys for a lot of money, and I hope he you know, makes good on it. He was sending me inserts and day wheels and date wheels, and I was selling them to Danny and Michael at Renaissance. Okay, I was getting the date wheels for like 10 bucks each. I was selling for 100 Right. I was making a fortune. Right. So they started sending me inserts. Blueberries. Yes. Arthur, A.A.K. How many were there at the time? I'm going to tell you, Arthur, AAK Viper, and I had just begun being friends. Mm. And Arthur was very, very he, into watches and into, you know, the vintage GMTs, vintage subs, 70s and 80s subs. We got these blue inserts. There were like maybe eight or 10 of them. Mm. And Arthur still has like four or five of them in the original packaging that we got. Mm. And we studied them. We put them against all kinds of GMTs Pepsi, and swap. Pepsis and stuff like that. And we determined that they are right. And we had them submitted to Rolex, which really doesn't mean a, mean a whole lot. But he's got service papers, you know, coming from Rolex, this and that. There was a new batch that came out. What year, Carl? 2013, give or take. Came that came out that are a different color. They had, some of them had errors on them. The reason I know that they're right Okay, is again, as we're fighting, you know, with the Malaysian guy who I'm not going to war. Yeah, or Chipolar, you could say it. 
Buddy Orchie. I wish he would call me because yeah. I, I always got a lot of followers when I saw Also, because Orchie's thing was, I know that these are fake, therefore they are all fake. Right. And your point was, I agree with you that some are fake. Yes. But I'm telling you, the ones that I sold, that Carl and I sold, and the ones that, oh, there were two batches. The first original batch. Right. Arthur still has four of them. The last four that I had, I sold to Eric Koo in Orlando in 2009. He paid $750 each for them. He bought them all off me. They were the original one. And he stands behind them until today. Of course. Yeah. Of course. And we stand behind the ones that we sold in 2013, but they were a different batch. And supposedly, again, maybe they found them with the prototype dials. Right. Okay, look. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Maybe they found it and maybe they didn't. I don't know. But they had all the characteristics. They had everything that a blueberry insert had, except that color was a little, a little darker. Different. The ones that Arthur has, and Arthur wants to do a thing, but, you know, he, he's he's shy. He didn't, yeah. but. He's got the original ones yeah. that we sold, that I sold to him for like 20 bucks each or something like that back right. in the day. Yeah. And he still got them. And, and, and they are- Where did they go in value? About oh, 20, 30 grand each. 20, 30. There was actually one like two years ago. It was a small auction in Connecticut and they were selling, I don't recall if it was a whole watch or just an insert, but I remember I was like, I hope no one sees this. I was like, that's a like OG yeah. first gen blueberry. And I was talking to John and I was like, I'm going to get this thing. And he was like, oh, I'd only go up to X and whatever. I tapped out at 20, and I think it went for 35. Yeah. And it, and it right. was definitely one of the originals. It was worn, yep. and like it came from the original watch and so forth. Yeah. So like, I don't know. There are some parts that are just, there's a finite number. They're out there, and people found a way to get them. You remember the one that I had to send Ryan to get in Boston? You were with us at the time. We were, we were set up at 10 West. I, look, I used to go through Craigslist. Every once in a while, I would just like scour Craigslist and try to buy up everything that I can. I look and the guy's got a two-tone GMT and on it is a faded blueberry bezel, an early one. But it was like all like, it, it, it had some wear. The guy wore the watch. I called up my guy up in Boston. I'm like, listen, go over there and buy this watch. And he did. And I had the watch. I have pictures of it somewhere. It went from me to Bob to a whole bunch. It's still floating around out there, but it's right. Fascinating. It's, it's you know, it, it's interesting stuff. It's interesting stuff. The thing about like the red hand, the blueberries and stuff like that, it's like the the myth, you know, it, 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 it's a myth for a reason. You know, there are people that have bought them from ADs. You know, it was an option. We've been looking for, remember the um, Rolex Cosmograph Daytona, the three-color ROC dial, Rolex Oyster Cosmograph dial. Never seen a real one. They were always Texas dials. Mm. Kamal, owner of BJ's Forum and, uh, you know, owner of Pro Hunter, he bought the gold Newman ROC, which we've never seen a real one until he bought it at auction. I think he paid four million bucks for it. That was, the, what do they call it? The Singer? It was the Singer dial, yeah. yeah. It was the Rolex Oyster Cosmograph, two color. It was yeah. gold and black. It was on a gold watch. He paid no, and a half. Dollars. Sorry, John Player is that what they called it? No, the John Player Special is different. Okay, that's a that's a push pump pusher. Um, got it. Dial. That's got the it. black with the gold. Then there's the lemon, which is the lemony. Lemon. There's a whole. There's so many Newman dials that market. It's called yeah. marketing. Rolex, you know, and it's not Rolex. We created this one. We back to Periscope, you know, who who's a fascinating guy. You know, he'll talk about not just the fake, not just the fake dial, mm -hmm. but also intentional misreporting of quantities of rarity, <laughs> right? Because that is, you know, 
you're equally liable. I think you're, you're participating in fraud, right? Mm -hmm. If you as an organization are even promoting a genuine dial, mm -hmm. right? Just, it's a real Rolex dial, it's all correct, but misreporting intentionally the rarity. The rarity is basically the entire you know basis for the price, yeah. right? So to what degree are publications culpable, assuming they know better? I mean, it's, it's a, a while less had premise to prove. Yeah. It's really hard. I mean, look, anybody can sue anybody. You know that. I yeah. know that. To what degree is someone? That's ah, a, a bad. To what degree are most watch dealers morally yeah. true? And the truth is, not many of them. You know why? I mean, especially during you know during what's it called? Like you know during COVID, everything went nuts, and watch dealers you know mm -hmm. popped the ball over the place, made a ton of money. And one of the reasons why I, one of the very few watch de watch dealers, I have a watch retail store, right? Naturally, uh, had never really got into expensive stuff. I never did. Right, I have remained completely in my zone from day one. It was because, because from day one, hanging out with you guys on 47th, I said, this is too complex. I was never studious in school. I will never be able to learn all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And I will never be an expert and I'm gonna stay away because it's too much money to risk. So I can, you guys, Rightfully so. Like, I don't, when I say scared me away, I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that in a, you educated me to a point where I said, made an informed decision to say, I can't play in this game with genuine conviction that I won't fuck up. Mm -hmm. and, f and ultimately, accidentally fuck a client. Mm -hmm. Which is why I stayed in the shit that I knew, right? Omega Seamass. They just like explore regular, you know. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm happy about that. <laughs>